Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. This season, our sixth, we're talking to my colleagues at Guardian Nurses about how they help our patients navigate a very complex and confusing healthcare maze. At the end of each episode, you'll hear their suggestion as to how you can become an advocate for yourself and your loved ones. Transitioning a loved one home from a rehabilitation facility after a stroke can be a stressful time for families. There are a lot of moving parts involved. Not only is it emotionally stressful, but if not handled effectively, the transition home can lead to an exacerbation of health issues and increase the likelihood for rehospitalization. In this episode, I speak with my guardian nurse's colleague, Jennifer Donahue, who tells a particularly compelling story about a case that she worked with during COVID. Jennifer Donahue, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. Uh, it's good to have you here. Nice to, Thanks, to nice but... to be on the nice to be on with you. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's great. Uh, this this season, we are, as you know, uh, highlighting the amazing work that our nurses uh, are doing at Guardian Nurses, and uh, you are one of those amazing nurses. So I wanted to get you on to tell us your uh, compelling story and share it with our listeners so that we can help them be, become better uh, advocates for them and their loved ones. So why don't you um, tee up your story for us? Sure. Um, so this case uh, took place during COVID. It's something that's stuck with me all the time because, as you remember, it was a particularly challenging time for all of us, uh, both as professionals and as patients. Yeah. Um, and this was a, a very challenging case for me. Um, it all started when I received a frantic phone call from the wife of a patient uh, who was in rehab after having a stroke. Uh, this gentleman, unfortunately, had a history of hypertension and high cholesterol, but did not follow up with a uh, primary care physician or specialist uh, and hadn't taken any medications for these conditions uh, in about a period of five years. Oh, so wow. Well, that'll present yeah. some problems for you. Yeah, unfortunately, he ended up having uh, a stroke, which resulted in left-sided hemiplegia. So he had no movement of that left side. Uh, he had a trach in place. He had oxygen and a feeding tube as well. So the wife was calling because the patient was uh, in process of being discharged home the following morning. And she was just scared that she was not going to be able to properly care for him. D Jen, discharge from the hospital or discharge from the rehab? From the rehab. Okay. So how long was he? It sounds like it was a pretty significant stroke. How long was he in hospital? He was in hospital for about three weeks. Wow. And then went to rehab okay. for about another three weeks. Wow. Okay. So this was pretty significant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He had, uh, he, he required a lot of care. And uh, um, so was I it just, was it just she at home? Just her at home? Her and they had two daughters as well, one that was living in the home uh, but was not very reliable, and another mm -hmm. one that didn't live too far away but had small children. So, again, uh, the reliability was um, – it, it wasn't going to be there. It was mainly going to – the care was going to fall on the wife. Okay. 
Okay. And, and six weeks in facilities, uh, I'm going to bet you're going to tell us that it was a pretty lengthy discharge uh, orders. Yeah. It, it was. He had, he had extensive pages. Uh, I, I, we kitted around um, at her home visit uh, saying that it was as long as a CVS receipt. Um, they were right. And if you've been to CVS lately, <laughs> it's a lot of paper and there's only like, you buy one thing and you get all these coupons and stuff. So, okay. You could call paper a room with the amount of paperwork this poor woman had to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I offered to meet her then at, at home, um, the day that he was arriving home so that we could go through everything together and, and make heads or tails of it. Um, because they were, like I said, they were completely overwhelmed and and not sure uh, where to start. What um, what status? <laughs> what clinically was he when he was coming home after six weeks? Wh- where was he at clinically? He was in complete care. He still oh. had. He was still um, very weak on that left side. He still had the trach in place. Um, and and required oxygen. He still had a peg tube in place, so he had tube feeds. He needed nebulizer treatment, uh, and you know, and trait care, obviously, and then medications, which they weren't used to uh, dealing with. He he wasn't uh, taking medications on a regular, so this was all very very new to them. Wow. Why, why did they, I mean, I think I know the answer, but why would they discharge him in, in such a dependent state? Wasn't he getting uh, therapy, rehab, um, physical therapy, occupational therapy? He was make he was getting therapies there and he had, uh, he wasn't making any further gains. Um, mm-hmm. So they felt that, you know, he would still benefit from continued therapy at home and the white desperately wanted him home although mm-hmm. she was he wanted to get home too this was during covid so all that mm-hmm. time in the hospital and right. all that time in re- they only saw each other a couple of times it was a it was very hard on all of them and they she felt that getting him home would help him to um Good recover okay. right i um, forgot about the, get- I, I forgot that they were covid sorry yeah and, and he, they did get some family education while he was still there in rehab on, on you know, how to use the equipment and, and things. But it was minimal uh, um, because of COVID. And by the time I got there to the house, they were so overwhelmed that everything was forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a, lot to, home, it's a lot to handle. It, rehab had sent home boxes and boxes of supplies and equipment for them. So he, they had everything they needed. He had a, the hospital bed and, and, and wheelchair and a Hoyer lift, but they didn't know how to use any of that. Um, Mm -hmm. All the supplies too, for his feedings and trait care. But again, with no um, real understanding of what they needed to do and how often they needed to do it. Wow. Um, was was um home care ordered as part of the discharge instructions? Yeah. Uh home care was was ordered. He was going to get physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, home health aid. Um however, he was being discharged on a over a weekend. It was going to be on a weekend, so oh. 
um, professionals weren't going to come out for a couple of days. So this was going to leave the family, um, you know, to survive on their own for a couple of days. And I was so concerned that this was just going to result in him going right back in right. to the facility. Um, I was hoping that making a home visit then and helping them there at home um, would, would keep him out of the hospital and safe until um, the other services would, would start. Right. Sounds like it was a perfect storm. There, you know, how many times have we heard patients being discharged on Friday? And it strikes yeah. fear in our hearts. <laughs> yeah, it really does. You know, you just, in the hospital, these families all say, yep, yep, I've got it. I, I understand everything because they're anxious to get their family member home. And they feel, okay, well, I've got all the information there and I'll be able to review it once I'm home. But oftentimes they forget and then mm-hmm. they're just and nervous and, you know, it can just go badly very quickly. So I thought, let me get there as soon as he's home and we'll go over things together and see if I can get them set up on, on the right foot. How how old was this, um, was the wife? I mean, were they uh, 60s? I mean, I, I think that's a lot to handle uh, physically, right, with someone so dependent. Right. They were... Uh, the, he was right around the age of 60. I think he was 58 at the time. Okay. Wow, that's young. Um, well, but having her own health issues too, um, she, you know, and and being alone basically in the home because the other kids uh, had families of their own, it, it was a lot for her to take. And she really wanted to do the best for him, but it was very difficult for her to just organize and and give him the care that he needed without support, more support than she was able to get prior to his discharge. Wow. How long uh, were you in the home that first visit? I can't imagine. I spent hours there that day. Uh, We did testing and demonstrating on how to use the equipment and and care, um, organizing medications and supplies, I helped schedule their appointments and and the therapies for them so that they would start you know first thing on on that Monday. The discharge instructions unfortunately had just had told them to you know call their PCP with any questions and and make sure to schedule that follow up <laughs> appointment. <laughs> but right. as if you could get a hold of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right, and unfortunately for this gentleman too, he hadn't been to that office in over five years. So oh. when I called. To uh-huh. hopefully schedule an appointment, uh, this um, physician was no longer in practice. So now oh, had no one to turn to. And that was all the instructions that they received was to call there for help. So they had no one. Oh. Fortunately, I had a great team that I turned to immediately for help and advice um, because it, it was a lot. And this family needed help and they needed it fast. And one of my teammates um, made me aware of... Um, a primary care physician office that makes house calls. And I called right away, Uh, explained everything, and they were so wonderful. uh, And we were able to get him established with that provider so that this primary would come to the home and and see him uh, right away. And then he would have a physician then to continue receiving regular care with as well. Wow. You hit the lottery on that one. Jeez. Yeah, that was that was a really great 
find, and, and that was all thanks to uh, my great team coming to, you know, our rescue. Well, we do have a great team. I will, I will admit, um, and, and, you know, the strength of all of our collective experience and the different ways in which we bring back that experience to the team is, you know, knowing a, a primary care doctor who will come to make house calls. Right. So that's great. So uh, did, did you connect, did the physician come out to the house, um, during the time that you were engaged with this family? They did. I saw this patient on a Friday. I made arrangements. The physician um, and their nurse practitioner had come out on Monday, and um, and I met them there as well. And uh, we were able to get everything started right away. He had therapy that following Tuesday, um, physical therapy and occupational therapy um, evals were done, and he was scheduled then for the other days of the week um, and and speech as well. So he got he did receive um, therapies within a week of him being home. That's pretty good. And and especially if it was during COVID, that's really good. Did you have any trouble uh, with any insurance coverage? He had difficulties with his uh, insurance um, covering the services that were needed. He had adequate benefit for um, the therapies that he was receiving at home. So everything was, was covered under his uh, insurance plan. So he, he did not have any issues. He had no issues. Oh, that's great. Okay. That's wonderful. So um, the the criteria, I'm just curious for our listeners, the criteria to have a physician or a nurse practitioner, primary care, come to your home to see a patient, uh, what is the criteria for that? Because, you know, who wouldn't want a doctor to come and, you know, have somebody seen in their home? What, what's the right. What's the criteria for that? Uh, he, you would have to be considered uh, homebound, which he didn't have use of that left side uh, at the time. So he was considered homebound, um, and he didn't have a ramp in his home mm. as of yet. Uh, he unfortunately was connected with uh, Veterans uh, Affairs, and they had made arrangements to come out and have a ramp installed. Um, but due to weather at the time, a snowstorm was coming <laughs> that got delayed. Um, um, well, that's great. Did you set Did you set up the um, Veterans Affair connection? No, I did not. His wife uh, had done that. Actually, his daughter had um, made that suggestion while he was still in rehab before we had met, and she had already contacted the VA about that and made those arrangements. Wow. I didn't realize that's great to have those uh, available benefits if somebody's. Yeah. So any veteran who did he have to be uh, engaged in the enrolled in the VA system for that? That's right. And yeah. and the benefits for the at the VA too. Um, they depend on what war and time served and things like that. They have a bunch of criteria that you need to. Um, in order to be eligible for some of these services. Uh, but fortunately, he was, and um, they were able to come out and, and install a ramp very That's quickly correct. for him so that yeah. would help get in and out of the house. That sounds like it. So, Jen, a couple minutes ago, you said that this was a really challenging case for you. Why, why was it so challenging? I mean, certainly you've dealt with complex patients with complex issues and insurance issues and home care issues. What made this case so challenging? 
COVID for one made it very challenging um, because professionals were stressed out, overworked, lacking supplies or, um, you know, even access to the patient too. So, there, you know, you weren't allowed to visit them in the facility. It, it made pre preparing for a discharge um, very difficult for the family because there was only limited time that they could go in for education and things like that. So it, it, by the time he was coming home, they really didn't have a great understanding of it. They did have all the supplies they needed, but um, again, you know, not being able to do adequate teaching beforehand, they were going to have to learn at home. And then also getting other uh, professionals out there home health care services, you know, once he was discharged home, that lag time of going home on a Friday and nobody coming out then until the following Monday, um, that, that also made it very, very difficult for the family to have to take care of things on their own yeah. without adequate, you know, professional support. What, what do you think, I mean, uh, I heard a lot of the things that you were doing, like coordinating the appointments and teaching the wife how to use the equipment, but you know, in addition to those, what do you think the, and the support, because I'm sure she was relieved to have you there. Um, what do you think your greatest contribution to the case was? I, I think, I think connecting them with a primary care physician right away mm -hmm. was going to be of the setup of success without mm -hmm. having receiving regular care that are were needed um he was just going to end up in the hospital again i think mm -hmm. so i think that one was was a great starting off point but then being a support for them to to give them that education and uh providing them you know with the instructions on how to manage his care safely and effectively at home i think that was it, until you know they could get that support from right. the home right. care the home care and once once home care was involved right and, and they were coming regularly did you still go and visit i went a couple of times um because i did want to meet with each of the therapists as well so that we could collaborate if they had any questions or concerns and um so that i could you know best uh be a support to them as well so i did go each time they met with a, a new therapist and then we had some regular um home meetings after that as well uh we talked though the the member um and the wife and i talked almost daily for weeks and then uh over the course of months as he was slowly recovering, uh, you know, we talked a little less and less. And and today I'm happy to say he's doing very well, living independently, being a physician, you know, his uh, primary and his specialist regularly, and, and taking his medications. <laughs> he better be taking his meds or his wife will probably, <laughs> you know, slam him down his throat. Um, yeah. What, is he still seeing the, does he still have access to the physician who comes to the home? So he did for a long while. And fortunately, um, he, fortunately and unfortunately, he was moving. So he needed to get a new physician. Um, oh. And he did get one 
doesn't require having to have someone come to the home anymore. Uh, okay. He's able to get around with the air. His brother has moved in with him as well. So he has, you know, better support at home um, and, and the equipment that's needed to be able to get in and out of the home and, and not requiring uh, services inside the home. So it, it, it worked out. How's the wife doing? Sadly, uh, last year she passed away. Um, she had some health complications of her own and uh, and ended up passing away. But uh, prior to that, they, they were doing very well, managing very well uh, at home. Oh, sorry to hear that. Wow. So, so you know, you, you did a lot and, and at a critical time, right? That's why the mobile care coordinator program is so valuable. Right, that that we get to support patients at times when maybe the healthcare system isn't functioning at a hundred percent, and they're not able to get what they need. So, your ability to go into the house and to spend the time that was necessary to teach the wife to reassure her, I'm sure, and for the patient to see you as well and to continue to support, that must have been immensely invaluable to them. So, thank you for that. Of course, it's my pleasure, and and I would say really too. I mean, that was a fortunate situation that they had, uh, you know, our support to be able to go in and make this situation, um, you know, a safer one for them. Um, I would stress, though, for you know patients and families that don't have that kind of support, no support at home, or you know, um, overwhelming information from the hospitals. I would say. Really don't, I would encourage them, don't be afraid to ask questions while you're, you, you or your loved one are in the hospital or in a rehab facility. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Ask as many as you need to ask until you have all the information that you need and you feel good about it. Uh, there's no such thing as a, a stupid question or asking too many questions. You, you just need to keep asking until you have a very good understanding of the care that's needed and the treatments that are going to be taking place prior to discharge. Um, and well, for the, the, the go ahead. I'm sorry. That's right. Uh, and and even while you're there too, you know there are other professionals that can help give you that information, not just from the nurse or from the doctor, but the social worker can be a tremendous asset. So ask to speak to the social worker and, and talk with them about uh, therapies and, and equipment and supplies that are going to be needed. Talk with the therapists as well so that you have an understanding of services that are going to be happening after discharge. Uh, and, and even a nurse manager, too, can help uh, while you're there. So whenever you're in a hospital, there's a lot of staff that can help get the answers to your questions prior to you leaving when you may not always have somebody else to turn to then at that time. And you want yeah, to not feel- everybody, not everybody has uh, guardian nurses, uh, sadly, but to, to your, to your strength and credit to, to explain some of the, I don't want to say tricks, but to, to talk to our listeners and to say, look, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. And I, you know, I, in hindsight, when I'm listening to you tell the story, I wish that, um, we could go out, not, not guardian nurses, but I wish that hospital staff could go out and see 
the patient's home, right? So they could envision yep. what challenges they might have um, with aftercare, right? With post-hospital care or post-rehab care, but they don't have the time. And uh, But it would certainly be much more effective uh, discharge plan if they did and were able to assess the ability uh, in terms of bathrooms and stairs and and even walking up to the house, like you said, with the veterans services to put a ramp in. Yeah. Right, right. No, I be I couldn't agree more. It, sometimes the information to communicate it from the family isn't always completely accurate or understood completely accurately, such as with, you know, the primary care physician. They were understanding that he had a primary care physician when mm-hmm. really he had one in so many years and, and now this doctor wasn't even practicing. Had that information been known prior to discharge, I don't think that he would have ended up being discharged at the time that he was, but it, it, the information doesn't always get communicated correctly. And I, I think it's, that's an, another thing that, you know, you just, for patients and families to um, really talk to the staff and, and so that everybody's on the same page and really understanding. Well, and I think that in a, in a, in a discharge um, from a rehab situation, it's, much more effective if the family or the loved one caregiver can request a, a care team meeting prior to discharge. And if you can take somebody else, doesn't have to be a nurse, but just somebody else to listen and maybe ask right. the question that you forget to ask because you're an overwhelmed wife, that would be helpful as well. So I think a couple tips for our listeners is not only to ask the questions you want to ask and don't be intimidated by it. But also if you can, and you're at, if your loved one's out of rehab, ask for a, a discharge planning meeting or something where you sit down with those disciplines that are nursing, speech, ther- physical therapy, nutrition, and talk about what's going to happen at home. And maybe they'll just you know say, Oh, well, he, he'll see his primary. Well, he doesn't have a primary. So then the discussion can become, a little bit deeper. Yeah, I I wish uh, in a perfect world, right, we could have somebody go out and do assessment of discharge. <laughs> it would certainly reduce readmissions to your point. It certainly would. But that you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. A, a care conference ahead of time can be extremely effective. I've been in on those many times and, and seen the success that that uh, promotes, you know, for these patients once they're discharged home. Um, that in this scenario, especially too, that would have been uh, a wonderful um, addition to, you know, have and and probably would have helped with um, this discharge. Of of course, COVID timing was not in, uh, in his right. favor with that. So right, um, yeah, that that certainly complicated that, the story. Yeah, yeah. I was actually listening to uh, a presentation where they were talking about. Uh, physician in terms of language and communication, because that's, I think, the number one problem in healthcare. But the the physicians typically talk or um, present information at an 11th grade level, whereas most Americans uh, are at a fifth grade level, maybe even less. And that's when they're speaking English. Uh, I know that wasn't, English wasn't an issue with this patient, but when you're not when English isn't your primary language and you're giving paperwork that's maybe in English and it's at a 
11th grade level. Anyway, more to come, but that's a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm bringing up a lot of issues about discharge planning that you weren't thinking about. Sorry about that. Um, Jen, thank you. Uh, Really, it sounds like you did a wonderful job for this family. I'm I'm sorry about his wife. That's sad that he lost his wife after so much support that she gave him and got him through. Um, I'm sure that was a sad time for him. So, but thank you for, uh, for joining us and for sharing your wisdom as to how patients can become uh, better advocates for themselves and their loved ones. And hopefully this story will, will help someone in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much, Betty. All right. Take care. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.